Welcome to Our Soul, a podcast by Kelly Fox and Terry Williams from the Ohio Religious Coalition for Reproductive Choice. Okay, so it's been it's been a whole presidential election since we talked last. Man, that's that's crazy. Actually, we're still in the middle of a presidential election because you know none of this can happen real quick. So how 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 are you feeling right now? Um, I would say, uh, carefully optimistic, but also, uh, I don't know how to say this, like, anxiously patient. (laughs) (laughs) Anxiously patient. Yeah. I guess that would be a description of my feelings. Or patiently anxious, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'd, I'd co-sign Both. that. Both. I'd co-sign that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How are you feeling? I am feeling angry and vindicated, 100%. 100% that, too. I, I'm 100% like, angry and vindicated. And let me tell you why. Let me tell you why I feel angry and vindicated. Because we, those of us who struggle for freedom in the Buckeye State know... That racism among white Ohioans is the problem. And we found that out last night when we got all these election returns back in. And people were like, oh my lord, how did Bridget, oh my god, how did some of these parts of the state go so hard for... Guess what, folks? White folk. Even poor white folk, even poor white folk where I live in Appalachia would rather hang on to the little scraps of white power and white supremacy that our current and former systems have given them than to have any kind of change. They would much rather, much prefer that. And also, I I feel very vindicated because I tried to tell people that we were going to have a problem with Appalachians and a Catholic candidate. And people told me I was crazy. They said, you're nuts. You put way too much emphasis on religion. You put way too much. But you take a look at non-Protestant and especially non-evangelical candidates who run statewide in the state of Ohio. If you're a Catholic, it's real hard unless you're a judge. Because when you're a judge, it's all of a sudden a benefit. But when you're a Catholic and a general election candidate... It's hard to get Appalachians. And you take a look at how Mitt Romney did among Appalachian populations because he was Mormon. Uh, Religion's a huge part of how rural Ohioans function. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you saw every single part of the state that has a predominant evangelical culture just turn absolutely against the candidate who was really clearly not evangelical, right? I'm just saying, angry and vindicated. That's how I feel. And yeah. and patiently, patiently anxious, anxiously patient. Yeah. Um, yeah. When it comes to Ohio politics, I am disappointed, uh, upset, um, angry. Um, so let's let's talk first beyond just the the presidential election. Uh, mm-hmm. In the state of Ohio, 
we we all then knew that uh, the Democrats have been in the minority, like in both the House and the Senate in the Ohio State House, and now <laughs> in this election, how is it that we lost seats? You know, we lost. Do you, Do you really want me to answer that? Cause I can answer that for you. I mean, I can answer that for you. I probably don't. It's know, It's gonna be real, but. It, yeah, it's it's called racism, big big R racism, and this is how because we in Ohio, and I I say we I I should clarify, um, white liberals like me in this state um, often do not want to talk about racism with our own people. So instead of talking about the fact that we have a racist problem, a racism problem among whites in Ohio. We like to complain that black folk didn't turn out in the urban centers to vote in as high a majority as they should have to carry the state. Because the implication there, of course, is that it's black folks' job to win our electoral battles, and it's their job to show up so that we don't have to have conversations with our white relatives about why they racist. Mm -mm. That's a big problem. And what we saw in the state of Ohio was that we decided to count on making black folk feel like they have to turn out to fix this racist problem. And at the same time, we put up as, you know, progressive left end, you know, however you want to define it. We're nonpartisan here, but like when I say we, I mean liberals like me put up a man like John O'Donnell who his record as a judge in Northeast Ohio was absolutely offensive to people of color. We put him up for the Supreme Court and he was the one person out of the Supreme Court who did not win his election as opposed to the other person from his party who won her election handily. I just have to say, like, we lost down-ballot races in the state of Ohio, white liberals did, because we didn't want to have conversations with people who looked like us about racism and instead wanted to count on black folk to carry our load. And black folk were like, hmm, miss me with that. And we're going to have to deal with the fact that a great number of people of color in the state of Ohio are not interested in carrying water for liberal whites anymore. <laughs> That's my two cents on that. Yeah. And, I mean, and it hurt it hurt down ballot rate. It hurt, it hurt the state house. It hurt people in the Senate. Yeah. Hurt everyone. Yeah. And yep. it's a real shame. I've seen... Um, our friend Alana Garrett um, from New Voices Cleveland, I saw her talking about just how it's been the work of black organizers in Ohio to try to get people out to vote. And this this is what happens. Even, even when we put our blood, sweat, and tears into getting out the vote, they still vote against us. And... It's just heartbreaking to see that kind of work. I mean, it's just it's just heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. It really is. Um, and so on a on a state level, I'm almost at the point where I I I don't want to say that I've lost hope in Ohio. I don't want to say that. Um, but I just don't. It's hard for me to process 
how the state where I've lived my whole life uh, could could possibly just do this. Um, could make the situation worse for reproductive rights. Could do all these all these bad things for the people here. Um, yeah, it it hurts. Um, mm. Yeah. So in Ohio, I am disappointed. I am upset. Uh, I remember looking at the map of Ohio and seeing it was like just the three C's that really, you know, came out for the Democratic Party and it made me very sad. Um, but, but on the bright side, let's, let's, you know, try to sprinkle in some hope here, at least here in Franklin County. Um, the prosecutor, uh, gosh, his name is slipping. Ron O'Brien. Ron O'Brien. Ron O'Brien. Who has been the prosecutor for, I think I heard like 20 years. Yeah. One of the most racist records. Mm-hmm. Has not. Racist has records. Has only prosecuted a, mm. a cop once and that's because he already had a federal offense. Uh, well, he lost his race, so that's great. Um, and Tiak, Tak, Tiak, Tiak, Tiak. See, um, now that's a real white person name right there, Tiak. Um, right? Like Kayak, except for the T. That's uh, right. So he will now be the Franklin County prosecutor. Um, so that's good. Um, so that's the the let Democrat, me, and hopefully let, they will keep the police accountable. And yeah, so so I've 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 got two things just to throw out there. Um, the the saddest thing for me out of all this, you just mentioned, you know how sad it is that uh, Ohio decided to not elect pro-choice folk, and then you said Democrats. I just want to lift up that I think the saddest part of this whole process is that in the state of Ohio, we know when somebody says pro-choice candidates that they're talking about one party and not the other. I think that is sad. It is. Because we should have pro-choice candidates on all sides of the political spectrum, and we don't because pro-choice has been totally, totally weaponized in a negative sense against people on a political spectrum. And that is unconscionable until we fix that. We're gonna have big problems. The second part of that is, and it, it dovetails with it, I get people who are talking to me today and they're like, oh, I can't believe all these people made this decision. Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, and by eight points, right? It, it might be by the time we get all the votes counted, because all the votes should count, right? We got to count all the votes. By the time we count all the votes, we might have a stronger majority for Trump this year than we had in 2016. And I've got a lot of people, particularly white liberal friends of mine, who are like, how did this happen? And I just, and I just want to like, I just want to like gently smack folk on the forehead and be like, listen, the decision on who to vote for is something that gets baked over a long period of time, right? You don't like start out with the same perspective you have when you end and go vote for somebody, right? Like voting for someone and then 
trying to figure out how that outcome happened without looking at the the stuff that led up to that is kind of like trying to taste a cake and not think about the recipe. Like this cake was baked a long while ago. And if white liberals are gonna make any progress on issues like racism and pro-choice issues, we're gonna have to stop turning around once people vote and looking them in the face and calling them racist and calling them, you know, names. We're gonna have to call out their racism in the moment way back at the beginning of baking the cake. Cause somebody put a turd in the cake mix at the very beginning. And if we had to put that turd in the cake mix, if people had called out the racism and called out the misogyny and called out the anti-choice bigotry and extremism at the beginning, we wouldn't have baked this crap pie, right? That, that, that is what we have. Cause right now we got a big old crap pie in the Midwest cause Ohio uh, we're, we're sitting here looking at, at just our state, but if you look at the national results, um, right now, uh, Ohio's preferred candidate is not leading in Arizona, Wisconsin, and Michigan. And if Arizona, Wisconsin, and Michigan stay the same, this will be the first time in 50 years that Ohio has chosen to go with the loser of the presidential election. The last time was 1960 and the state voted against John F. Kennedy. Um, I, I just have to say we're at a place where Ohio is no longer simply swinging as a state. Ohio is becoming entrenched in some really bad behaviors, some really awful behaviors that if we don't stand up and confront as a cultural change, they're never gonna change in electoral outcomes. Mm -hmm. It's not our goal, obviously, as Ohio RCRC to affect electoral outcomes. Electoral outcomes are something we comment on, we don't try to interfere with or process. We're focused on the culture change mm -hmm. because here's the big news. If you don't change the culture, nothing else matters. Because if we still have a culture of oppression, a culture of non-consent, a culture of controlling other people's bodies, we're going to have really bad laws and we're going to have really bad legislators and we're going to have really bad outcomes yeah. every single time. Right. And, and if we have, you know, I, I, I don't want to just make it myopic in, in the, the analysis intersectionally, if we have queer phobic and transphobic ideologies, if we have racist ideologies, if we have name, name your bad ideology, we will have those same outcomes. So we have to fix the ideology and the culture before we worry about the outcomes. Worrying about the outcomes and pumping a bunch of money in from a bunch of donors, you know, every four years for six months, ain't working. We need consistent investment in culture change. We need consistent advocacy, consistent grassroots work, and yeah. collective liberation. Yeah. Um, when, when people say, like, they don't know how this happened, my thing is, like, have you been around for the last four years? Because... Just because in the last year there may have been a lot of energy in your circles about uh, about the like the the progressive candidate the candidate that was uh, for or better I should say for reproductive rights or queer rights or um, like Black Lives Matter it, just because your group has been saying that does not mean that everybody is on that. 
And, like, just because your community may have started talking about being better in the last six months um, does not mean that the years of change that need to happen for people to get on board with change, like, with something new uh, has happened. It's just not happened. So I, I guess I'm kind of, like, disappointed but not, ex not really surprised and just angry. Disappointed but not surprised. That that yeah. is the podcast title. That's the episode title. Yeah. Disappointed but not surprised because I'm right there with you. Please please continue to tell me how are you disappointed and yet not surprised. Well, I guess like I'm really I'm really disappointed, especially in Ohio. I just the just thinking about the presidential election and seeing, um, like, I feel like it was just three little spots of blue in a state of red, in a state that has been traditionally a swing state, to see, like, that, that people are getting behind a president that has completely ignored the pandemic that's going on right now, and basically touted himself as immune to this virus that has been killing, literally, what was it today, like, 200,000 people or no no sorry there are 200,000 cases in Ohio that have happened and uh yeah our daily counts yeah, over 4,000 yesterday was like 4,300 today was a little under 4,100 yeah Ohio is definitely red with the virus um <laughs> just so we're clear and that's all st all the state like all counties not just you know a few um yeah. yeah yeah and and um so like i i don't understand like when when our coronavirus case are going up so high we've seen this man say that uh the that he is immune to the coronavirus and basically saying it's not that bad because he's gotten access to health care that most people cannot afford and do not have access wait wait to. like the wait. fact that so you're, you're you're telling me the president has access to all the health care he chooses? Woo! Yeah. I just let's just mark that down because I think we all need to we all need to work for that in our life. The health care you choose, even if you want to take mm -hmm. like you know some extra stuff that might not be like completely indicated for your condition, the president gets to do that. Like, wouldn't that be great if every person at an abortion clinic in Ohio got that same right to be able to make their own choices. Anyway. Got the health care that they anyway, chose. Continue. I will. Wow. I will. Anyway. <laughs> I'll, I'll simmer down. The fact that we, just like, just on the issue of the coronavirus, have voted for somebody who was not, not helping us get better. And has said that it'll just right. blow over. Like, if we just wait, it'll, it'll be Up over. and disappear. When people in Ohio are dying every day. Mm-hmm. And thousands of people are getting this virus every day. And we voted for that. I mean, I didn't <laughs> I didn't vote for that. But as a state as a state community, we voted for that. I'm disappointed. But I'm not surprised because I I go back to my hometown and all I see are so many signs uh, of standing this man who cannot talk about the virus. Um, I just, I just don't get it. And, yeah. Just, like, on a, on a, like, on the issues, I don't get it. 
it wouldn't matter if he was running as a Democrat or a Republican. The, what matters is that when when a leader of an organization does a really bad job at something, even if even if like just the organization has a bad response to something, oftentimes the leader, regardless of um, if it was their idea or not, will not like will not get chosen for awards or will, will most likely just get fired, you know. And yet, <laughs> we have like mistake after mistake even though it wasn't a mistake because he full-heartedly went for it but like issue after issue like bad thing after bad thing when you say it's a mistake i want to say it's an f up and you know Mm -hmm. you know f does not stand for faith in that that sentence right like that's that's the level of mistake that's going on here it's not just a mistake Right? A mistake is like when I forget how to spell neighbor because I haven't had my second cup of coffee in the morning, right? I before E except after C in special cases, you know. That that's a mistake. This this is a totally effed up situation. And it's deliberate. Effed up. Mm-mm. And it's deliberate. Um I just I I'm not I'm not surprised because, you know, what do they say? What it, it, I think it's like a Maya Angelou quote that's like, when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Ohio has already told me uh, who, what the kind of people who live here are, or who the kind of people who live here are. Just keeps breaking our hearts. And breaking our hearts. I should have I just believed that. But, um, so I'm not, I mean, I'm not really surprised because I, I didn't full-heartedly believe that Ohio would do do better but. you know one thing that i didn't think about until we're sitting like literally sitting right here and i'm listening to you have conversation like i have never because we we neither of us have been alive the last time ohio did not vote for the winner of the presidential election mm-hmm. and for me i have voted very consistently um with one party because that's the only party that speaks to my issues. I, I hope one day to be able to, like, make a discerning decision between ideological uh, folk. But, like, I don't have another party that's functional right now that speaks to my issues. But, like, I have voted for winners and I have voted for losers. And when I voted for a winner um, and they won my state, they won the presidency, you know, I was in the majority. When I voted for somebody who lost, they lost my state. I was in the minority, and I knew I was in the minority nationwide. If if the candidate wins the election who did not win Ohio, who I'm, by most accounts, most people should know by now, supported, I'm going to be in the position of having voted for the person who won, but who a majority of my neighbors, by a vast majority, 8%, 8%, said no to. I mean, well, I I say 8%, that, you know, that's Ohio's vote margin, you know, that 8% went for the president. But, like, in my local county, right, in, in Ross County, right, it was more than 8%, right? It was, like, 32%, uh, or about there. Uh, that went uh, for the president more than the other. Like, almost a two-to-one margin. I don't 
know, yeah. how's that going to feel? I don't know who you voted for, of course, because we don't totally share that uh, with folks. But if you were in the same position, um, what do you think it would feel like to end up having the person that you supported become president even when a majority of people in your state said no? I mean, I think, so I've only ever voted in one other presidential election, um, because I am 24 years old. Oh, um, I forgot so, about that. Now you're going to pull that out on me. I'm the old man. I'm a little baby. I'm the old man, 36. But I don't know. It's kind of um, <laughs> partially similar to the situation with, um, I, I voted for Hillary in 2016, and knowing that the... The national majority voted for Hillary, and Hillary still lost, and the people around me voted for Trump, was like, sorry, it felt like a, um, like a betrayal, uh, by the people that I live around, you know, to, to know, like, um, right now I'm, like, wearing this sweatshirt that says, roses are red, Doritos are savory, the U.S. prison system is legalized slavery, and I get um, anxious sometimes when I wear shirts like this in public because I don't know how everyone will take it, you know? Because this is kind of like a very progressive uh, look at the U.S. prison system. And um, it's kind of like, it, it makes me feel like I have to fear what it's going to be like going to a certain place. Like, if I didn't live in Ohio... I feel like I would be afraid to, you know, be my full self in Ohio. I wouldn't want to come to Ohio because the person that I voted for <laughs> did not win here. Yeah, it's, it, it's um, kind of like asking, when was the last time you went on vacation to Indiana? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, then, <laughs> yeah. and then on top of that, like, if, you know, things work out the way that they look like they will, um, and we get a president that is, you know, better for the issues that I'm for. And the people around me did not vote for that. It, it makes me kind of ashamed <laughs> to be in Ohio. And uh, it makes it hard for me to, like, defend Ohio. And on top of that, like, it makes, it makes Ohio look like the dumb state. <laughs> Not what I, I don't know. Said, I don't know what you're talking about. Look it, like, because it's. I mean, it is what it is, uh, as the great mm -hmm. philosopher said. But like, when Ohio has a history of every year choosing the president, regardless of that choice, to to now have become uh, so entrenched in these conservative politics that we are no longer like that consistent thing, it's just like great now we've been infected with the stupidity yeah so and and i i just, I just want to lift up here like conservative mm, these politics are not conservative they call they're them conservative far-right extremists it's it's i don't even know if they're far-right anymore i think they they are cultists they are cultist in the devotion to this man and what he says he thinks he is about like the whole conversation about you know abortion about racial tension and i use big quotes around that because i think that's a pretty that's a pretty white word for racism right and for 
conversations about socialism. Like those three things have very little impact, frankly, on the lives of a great number of Ohioans who vote on those issues, right? I have never seen as many people past the, the age of childbearing tell me that their main focus is about abortion as I have in the last five, 10 years, right? I got 80 year old people telling me that abortion is their main focus. It's like, you you worried you gonna have to have an abortion? Like, you worried, yeah. you worried about that? Oh, that's right, because it's not about the actual concern. It is about the rhetoric of the position. And those pieces of rhetorical movement, those pieces, those levers, those rhetorical levers that, that politicians use to move people like they are a rock in the mud are the things that these people have labeled conservative. It's not conservative, it's radical manipulation. That's what this is. Because people have been radically manipulated. They're hoping to be healthier and they're going to be sicker. They're hoping to be wealthier and they're going to be poorer. They're hoping to be more united and they're going to be more divided than ever because we're in a position where no matter who wins the presidency, you're gonna have a Senate of one political party a house of a different political party, and we're gonna have two years of the worst rancor you ever wanted to see. Because the main focus for so-called right-wing politicians in this state is to scream and yell and holler about gay folk and about abortion. Those two things. Gay is abortion and now kinda socialism, tyranny, you know, whatever boogeyman word you wanna put with it. We are going to have our issues put front and center yet again to be the whipping boy and the whipping girl of the needful manipulative movement to move people electorally. And here's the struggle for me. We're not having the cultural conversation. We're only having the electoral conversation in this state. Yep. People are only yep. having that electoral. And, and it, it, both parties are to blame for that because we're not having a real conversation about our issues no matter which party you look at and that's got to change mm -hmm. i know i know i pontificate a lot but like that that gets me so mad because it's like ugh, we need to have a real conversation about how this affects real people because ain't no 80 year old person going out here worried truly worried about abortion's impact on their life right mm -hmm. it's it's the 19 20 25 35-year-old folk who have got to worry about what these laws are going to do to their future and to their present. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if you're not, if you're not gay, if you're not going to have an abortion, like, <clears throat> why does this matter to you? You know, like, and it will on the but on the gay front and on the abortion front, like you should care because you should want people to be able to have the right to be their full selves, um, and you should be wanting people to have autonomy over your over themselves. But if you're going to if you're going to have views that are against that, if you're not gay and you're not going to get an abortion, then why? Why? Again, this goes back to the thing about standing, which I have admitted mm -hmm. over the last two days that I am an Adrian Murray Brown stan. But we need to we need to get her on the podcast, Adrian Murray Brown. <laughs> That's what we need. That would be 
Wait. Be like, my, f- wow, my friend Kelly, adults. my friend Kelly is all into you right now. <laughs> That's fine. And it has been she for a while. She actually has her own podcast that I have to, <sighs> I have to listen to now. It's called, uh, How to Survive the End of the World. And it's, uh, so there's Adrian Marie Brown, and then I think her sister name is Autumn. Autumn and Adrian, they have a podcast called How so to Survive the End of the we World. we need to tag them in this podcast and then, like, tag them on socials and be like, my friend Kelly, I mean, we all love you, but my friend Kelly really has a situation <laughs> going on with her adoring affection for you and for your wonderful uh, social critical theories. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, You're standing. I'm planning. Go ahead. So, uh, yeah, I, I just, anyway, talking about stands, um, I don't, I just, I don't understand the standing. When it comes to, like, like okay, let's say, let's talk about my, my feelings about Adrian Marie Brown. If Adrian Marie Brown was doing something to actively harm people, and I knew about it, and I just brushed it aside, I would want people to have the same criticisms of me as I have of people who are standing these radical <laughs> control hogs uh, who are against reproductive rights and against... Um, gay rights and trans rights and all of the rights um i just don't i don't understand how you could have four years of this terrible presidency the like i was talking to somebody about how like what earlier this year we felt like there was going to be a world war three and then we had a pandemic hit our country and have the worst response to it of like pretty much any other country and then like what what convicts you to continue to vote for that? Him, you know, just if just a if, reminder though that that was the first three months of 2020, mm-hmm, right? Because mm-hmm. like January was the Iran thing, the Iran war thing, and then March. So just just saying, like we yeah, first three months. And then we had and then we had the uh, Black Lives Matter uh, protests where uh, federal officers were sent to go settle them. And then, and then he used the, like, he used federal, uh, officers so he could take a picture in front of a church. Like, these are all things that happened this year. You had the ability to change your vote this year, and you didn't, with all of this proof that he's not a good guy. If I, if I had all of this evidence affecting me directly in front of my face of Adrian Marie Brown being a bad person, then I couldn't stand Adrian Marie Brown anymore. But until that day comes, I will stand her. There's, I'm, it's, it's fine. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, uh, ignore the blaring issues, you know? Uh, so I just don't, I don't get it. So it's been, it's been a hard day. Mm, um, mm, mm. Speaking Last. speaking of hard days, um, uh-huh. I am so glad that we are. This is a shameless plug, by the way. And in, in case you can't understand, like when when a transition happens and a preacher says, "I am so glad," what they're really trying to do is like, "Hey, I remember this thing that I really want to remind everybody about." So I'm just going to say it right now. I really want to remind everybody that we are focusing on self care 
for the whole month of November. The amazing Kelly Fox came up with the hashtag no neglect November and it just took off because everybody at Ohio RCRC and our affiliated partners were like, yes, this is what we need because we, we know that there are a lot of folk out there, you might be one of them, who have neglected caring for yourself and you have put yourself last uh, you know, everybody else in front of you, and it's time. November is the month. It is the thankful season to start putting yourself in the center of your own love and care and, and self-kindness. So we have a whole slew of events, tons of events lined up. By the time you are listening to this, we will have already had a meditation session with Constance Dunlap. We will be uh, moving forward with a knitting time, knitting as self-care with the amazing Kelly Fox, um, and also a yoga session, which I'm really, really excited about with Kathy Kang. Kang, is that right? Am I pronouncing her name right? I hope I'm pronouncing her name right. Kathy. I'm not sure. Kathy, who is an amazing uh, woman with Opal. Um, Opal is um, Ohio Pacific Asian Islander women's leadership i'm pretty sure <laughs> i think it's pacific islander Asian yes women's yes this is why as a white person yeah. i say stupid stuff out loud so i can get corrected and learn <laughs> it because i just know that opal are these amazing asian women who are fantastic hardcore leaders like our very own elena ramsey um, but all over the state of Ohio who are doing amazing, amazing work and they're raising the profile of leaders who are already here and already doing this work, but they are also, in addition to raising that profile, they are making connections and really sustainable long-term intersectional partnerships. So Kathy Kang's going to be, I, Kathy, I hope that that's how you pronounce your name. If not, let me know. I will change it immediately. Um, she's going to be doing yoga with us as self-care. Um, there are going to be a couple more events that are coming up as well, but no neglect November. Woo. Yes. Woo. Yes. Which, uh, I was actually, so last time, uh, we said something about asking people what beverages they use for self-care. <laughs> and that was our transition from the radio to the podcast. Um, so, uh, <laughs> How was your night? My night? My my election night? Yeah. Okay, I'm about to get real, real here because I had a very long and drawn out experience working the polls. I worked the polls, yeah. got there at 5.30 in the morning. We didn't get done till 9 o'clock because, well, there were some situations. We'll, we'll just say some people are not being invited uh, back to to be poll workers um, because there there were some problems, but everything got worked out. Everybody's vote got counted. Everything you know, nice and copacetic in the end. I came home so tired. I sat down, poured myself a mimosa. I had a little bit of beef, potatoes, and carrots that I had you know sitting in the crock pot going, and I just got so tired. I said, you know what, I'm going to do for myself. I'm going to go to bed because nice. I knew that this morning I was going to take delivery of, as as Kelly can see, I'm sitting on this beautiful velvet purple 
couch. It is a purple velvet couch, Chesterfield style, like nice tufting in the background. I purchased this thing because I needed a new couch first off. And when I saw that this was the only color available, I said, I think that is God telling me that I need a purple couch in my life. So I went to bed last night. I got up this morning. I took delivery of this purple couch. And I have been just trying to relax and rest in God's love right now for myself. I still have tons of makings in the fridge for old fashions and for some more mimosas. I'm going to like string it out over the next couple of days. I mean, it's going to be, it's going to be a long month. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I had, I, um, had a few, sorry, uh, I just got a notification that, uh, Michigan has been called for Joe Biden, um, so that's cool, um, mm -hmm. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I had a few drinks last night and, um, a couple shots of disappointment, mm. <laughs> especially in the state of Ohio mm. and in our country writ large. But I um, did okay, and I did not wake up sick today, so that's good. Um, and I've been also just trying to, you know, take it easy. Um, I tried to, you know, we had the election stuff on in the background, but um, for the most part tried to you know, do fun things, do things that gave us joy instead. So that was a kind of my night. Um, and yeah, so that is how I cared for myself yesterday. And then today I woke up, I, geez, I just remembered I didn't take my medicine. Drink water, take your meds. Anyway. So I didn't want to get out of bed this morning. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> didn't take my meds. Um, and uh, I, you know, uh, didn't want to get out of bed this morning. I actually woke up in the middle of the night last night at like two or at, si at six to go to the restroom. And when I woke up, I was like, should I check my phone? Should I look at, should I try to see if there's any, been any, or if, there, if there's been any progression in the results, do I even want to see the results? Um, and I laid in bed for a little bit and I was like, you know, I should, I should look. Uh, I don't think I can continue to sleep without um, looking at this. So I went and looked at the results at 6 a.m. and um, it wasn't looking as good as it does now. Um, at least not where I looked, at least not according to my sleepy brain, and I almost lost it, honestly. Um, but I, I had to remember one of my friends had told me that, uh, no matter what happens, regardless of if we're mourning or, um, rejoicing in some way, uh, because regardless of if we're rejoicing, like, it's gonna be, it's gonna be work from here on out, um. So regardless of if we're mourning or rejoicing, uh, we still have each other, we still have community, and uh, we're going to make sure that we're okay in some way. It may not be in the way that we originally had hoped, but we will be okay, you know? And so that is kind of the words that I took with me to 
uh, go. I got some medicine to help with the hangover that I never got. And uh, I took some melatonin to help me fall back asleep at least for a few more hours. And yeah, so uh, it's it's been hard. I think I've been able to kind of um, keep myself somewhat peaceful. Um, kind of remembering that I have a community of people who are are going to be caring for each other regardless of what happens. Um, but I can't say that I haven't cried, you know? Amen. Um, I really don't think that, like, political... Like, politics shouldn't be something I cry over. Right? You know? It should, like... It should be a question of like taxes. Like I understand taxes, okay? I can I can handle taxes. Those should be the kinds of things that I'm thinking about when I go to the polls to decide who's gonna be the next president. What I shouldn't be thinking about is whether or not my reproductive rights are gonna be in place next One hundred percent. Um it, it's just it's it's just kinda crazy the the things that are going on and uh, like you said earlier, I mean like I wish that I could decide between a Republican and a Democrat, but, like, at this point, like, there's nothing. And I think, too, that, like, just so people are aware, you know, choosing between a Republican and a Democrat when they both would support reproductive health rights and justice would be fantastic. I would even settle for being able to vote for a candidate of either party who is really completely solid on reproductive health care. Because let's be honest, even the candidates who are not caught up in the anti-abortion stuff are not really strong, solid where I would want them to be on reproductive health rights and justice. Like, I don't see many candidates talking about, you know, RJ talking about main you know those those main pillars the ability to make choices about what our families look like how we are able to parent our children parenting our children free of state sanctioned violence i don't see that yet mm -hmm. in any party mm -hmm. so like yeah i i keep reminding people like my my vote is always up for grabs um particularly if if you get somebody who i can stand for you know, like, yeah. I'm, I'm all about that, you know? I would love to have, like, an AOC or something like that here. I would I would love to have someone who I felt like really was, uh, was for my rights. But, like, I, at this, at this moment, I mean, like, I don't, I don't feel like I have that. And it really sucks, mm. you know? And, um... I mean, like, I will continue to uh, to push for candidates that are that are willing to, you know, be upfront about uh, being pro pro abortion, pro gay, pro black, pro all the all the good things. Um, and when when those people come, then I will full heartedly get behind them, you know. And it doesn't matter to me the. It, what matters to me is the uh, if they're going to protect my rights, you know, um, and like you said, like I would I would love to be able to make a 
a more <laughs> informed, well, not an informed decision, but like, I would love to have to make a more careful decision, but at this point, that's, that's not... <laughs> A, mo a more nuanced analysis would be great, right? <laughs> like, if mm -hmm. if that were available. Yeah. But it's mm. not. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's just been, it's been a hard day. But going back to the whole self-care thing, I think, you know, um, the, the solace that I've been able to find is in having community with other people and and knowing that they're like I'm not the only anxious person who's um you know I'm not the only disappointed Ohioan right now and at least that is encouraging and I think when when Ohio can be a better community then we can have more Ohioans that are disappointed in racists being elected and uh, racist policies being upheld as good and these absurd things happening. I would love to have more disappoint disappointed Ohioans. If we have, we have enough of them, then uh, we won't have to be disappointed anymore. But you're right, it has to be more of a, it has to be a cultural conversation that we have been unwilling to have <laughs> over not only the last four years, but just like ever. Nobody's just, nobody's willing to have these conversations. Um, I was talking to one of my friends about seminary and um, one of the things that we kind of, we hate to hear in our classes is um, when somebody says like, this isn't something that, that I can bring back to my church. And when I hear that, what I think is like, if you can't bring it back to your church, I can't. I can't make anything happen, you know? If you're unwilling to do the the hard cultural conversation work with your parishioners, then I can't make things move at a state level. I, like, I can try to activate the, the non-religious um, progressive folk, and I'm sure that they would come out, but the people who are like in charge right now are using religion as their, as their basis. And until we have a strong, religious progressive force like I can't I can't do anything if you're not also if you're not willing to take these progressive things that you're learning in school and take that to your congregation right if you don't do your work we can't be the place we are intended to be we we cannot mm -hmm. be the people we're intended to be if you don't do your work mm-hmm and, and on top of that, like, if you can't, if you can't take this, the, the lessons uh, around, especially like I'm in a lot of social justice classes, um, if you can't take these progressive messages back to your church, like, I, I cannot do my work. And if I'm not doing my work, then like, you're not able to send your people out to, to put their faith into action. It's like, a, it's a cycle. If we are not both doing our jobs, we are both stuck right. somewhere. Right. So, like, I'm trying to do my job, and then when you don't do your job, it's just, like, I don't I don't know what I can be yeah. doing better. Like, I'm, I'm doing everything I can. There are people, like Alana was talking about, um, these, these black organizers have been doing everything they can to make movement in Ohio, and it's not their fault at they all. They can't do their work but, and our work together. 
They they exactly. they cannot be expected to pull that double weight. Yeah. Exactly. It shouldn't, and it shouldn't be their job. Just like it shouldn't be my job as a uh, progressive person of faith who does organizing work to make up the work of pastors who are unwilling to take lessons back. Absolutely. And that's not to say that I don't understand that it's hard and that parishioners can be. <laughs> can can be you know not great to deal with at times when they uh, are hearing things that they don't want to hear um and i know that because i used to be a pastor and yeah i struggled also to not take things back to my back to my church but like i also wasn't as trained when i was a pastor and like i i, I also didn't work with my church that much and i wasn't in community with them because i I, uh, you know, commuted in, and when you're, when you're a pastor leading a community and, um, supposed to be, like, guiding them or whatever, if you're not, if you're intentionally leaving out information that you find life-giving and not giving them that life as well, like, not only are you doing me a disservice, yourself a disservice, you're doing them a disservice too, because they may not like it, they may not appreciate it in the moment, but, like, they need to hear the hard stuff there and there needs to be a cultural change if there's going to be any change of the state of Ohio or else this is just going to be a place where uh it's not a swing state anymore and um we'll just it'll it'll just always be not a good place for reproductive rights and justice and you know I have the privilege and the ability to possibly think about one day moving out of the state of Ohio and moving to a place that's more progressive and uh, has historically supported my um, rights more. But there are so many people in the state of Ohio who don't have that privilege, who don't, for whatever reason, maybe can't afford it, maybe like have family that they're unwilling to leave, which I totally understand. for whatever reason, cannot leave the state of Ohio. And I don't think that that means that they shouldn't have human rights. You know, when when I went to college um, and I was applying for different colleges, coming from a working class background in rural Pike County, Ohio, um, we went up to meet with the financial aid officer because, like, I was offered a scholarship. It was not terribly enough. Like, it was almost a full ride but it wasn't and my parents were not able to help with my education financial aid had to be it eventually we figured out like cobbled together some other scholarships through you know different organizations that got me to college but i can remember and and this this is still like a topic that we talk about in my family like my father and i have you know this connective moment around this one figure this woman who was the VP of um, financial aid, sat down with my father, and I won't say her name here, but my father and I know this woman's name. is a very distinctive name. And, uh, you know, we, we still reminisce about this day when she sat down with my parents and went over the financial aid information and made it clear that the reason that I was not eligible for a full tuition scholarship was because my grades were only within a 4.0 system and there were no advanced 4.0 plus classes in in my high school and my father you know basically broke it down and said well so you're telling us that 
even if uh, he had a perfect 4.0, because my GPA was pretty high, it was like a 369. Even if he had a perfect 4.0, you could not give him the scholarship. She said, oh, no, because you did not have the requisite classes in your high school to be able to get a 4.1, which is what is required for this. And my dad said, well, if if he didn't even have that option to start with, how, how was he ever going to compete with these other folk? And this woman looked at my father and said, well, Mr. Williams, it's it's not our fault that you chose to live in this community and if you didn't like that you probably should have moved to my to my parents who live on the same land that my great 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 grandparents um moved into the county on um my parents who have worked their entire life to be able to have a decent living for their family and their children you know, me, the, the son of multiple union laborers, grandparents who did not graduate high school. And my father was so offended by what that woman said, we got up and walked out of that office. Um, I remember that, that story though, because it's in moments like these when people say things like, we'll just get up and move, that I remember that woman's face and I remember my father's face. And I remember the conversation we had in that car because my father said, I'll be damned if somebody tell me I gotta move out of my home to make it better. And that's how I feel today. Like, I, there, there is part of me, I'm not gonna lie, that has like fantasized what it would look like to just like fly the coop and like, you know, go to California where a lot of my friends are and be like, peace out. Or, or you know, international travel. Like, hey, I got some friends in Portugal, you know. Go, go visit Susan and Tim, right, and never come home. But deep inside my soul, I'm like, no, no. This place with all this mess and all this trouble and all this work to do, this is my place. This is my home. This is my people. And I'll be damned if somebody's going to tell me I have to leave here in order to make it better. You know, I that's, that's back to what I said at the beginning of our, our time together. I'm angry and vindicated. I'm also going to be persistent as hell. Mm -hmm. mm -mm. I mean, and I, I feel like that's the only, the, the, that's the best reaction, you know, to, to be uh, persistent. Um, do you know anything about anime? Oh, yeah. Love anime. Have you seen My Hero Academia? Yes. Okay, so I'm... I feel like we have a weird, like, crossing the strings <laughs> moment here. Okay, go ahead. We're oh, nerds, okay. everybody. <laughs> so uh, I was talking, we had a reflection time um, with the other place that I work with um, about uh, the election. And so one thing we were talking about is just like being fired up about um, these issues and wanting to do more work. And um, uh, I've been watching My Hero Academia, which um, I, I'm probably going to like explain this badly, but... Um, in My Hero Academia, there's this guy who really wants to be a hero, and then he ends up getting a superpower, which he is not able to control in the beginning, and I'm on, like, the second episode where he's finally able to control it, and uh, he learns that, like, er, so he's not able to control it, but he tries to use it by using, like, one part of his body, and then he'll do, like, a, a punch, and then, like, his whole arm is uh, broken because he just put too much power into it. 
and um, now his arm is like out of commission and they have to heal it before you can use it again. And um, he, he learns that the way to make sure that he doesn't destroy his whole body by using his power is by allowing the power to just like flow through him all the time. Like while he's using it, it has to be flowing all throughout his body. And I thought that that's a good metaphor for, uh, like, staying completely fired up mm. and, and not, you know, not just getting fired up for the moment and using all that power to go into some big action and then being completely burnt out, but rather staying fired up the, the whole time and knowing when to use your power um, and being able to use it because you've been prepared. Um, so I think like being persistent and being angry and being vindicated right now is just like the best, the best possible, um, way to move forward. So. Amen. Yeah. And I, I just want to speak this to you and to anybody else out there who's like listening to this, like as, as a white liberal who, um, has shirked a lot of responsibility in my 36 years. I want you to hear me when I say this, that I'm not going to abandon the work that we do and the work that you do that I support and want to see come into reality. I will not lay down my commitment to racial justice and an intersectional identification of racial justice, queer liberation, trans liberation, and reproductive health rights and justice for anybody. I think the easiest thing right now for a lot of people who are on that losing end of the spectrum in Ohio to do is to start trying to think about how they can negotiate with the powers that be and start to sell off some of their brothers and sisters. And we gotta stay together and get the whole liberation or no liberation. Because mm -hmm. it ain't liberation unless it's everybody. And I, I, ju I just have to speak that into intention in the world because we cannot afford at this point in the struggle to start cutting parts off the body. We, we can't do that, you know? We can't do that. And I, and I say that as a queer person who often, often they cut us off the body, right? <laughs> like they, they don't want to talk about the queer folk or they put that in the back corner. Um, we, we've got to get a fully intersectional identification of what liberation means in this movement. We got to do it. We just got to do that, you know? Yeah. Mm, mm, mm. This this reminds me so much of uh, uh, when the United Methodist Church was first going through its split stuff, even though they're not split yet because it's 2020, but like uh, just your, your conversation about like, this is my home and I'll be damned if somebody tells me that I have to leave. Um, that's the same kind of feeling that a lot of people have had around the Methodist Church, mm -hmm. um, and this this idea that like it's not liberation if it's not for all of us. That's again something that I I saw there, and I continue to see um, just as I as I get more involved with movement spaces. But um, mm. yeah, I think 
I think this is a, we could go on forever <laughs> talking about this election, um, but I think this is a, a good place to stop. So um, this is the end of our two-part series about the election. Um, and Woo! yeah, so I guess we'll, in two weeks, we'll have uh, more clarity about what is going to go on um, with these results and stuff. God, but, we hope. <laughs> I mean, something. Something's going to happen in the next two weeks. But when we come back, I'm sure there will be more to discuss. And we can continue to talk about, like, how we're going to have to continue to pursue liberation um, in this moment. So it's been good talking to you. Yeah.